Welcome to episode 16 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. I'm here with my good friend Craig. Mate, I'm so excited about this episode. We've just been talking to adventurer Richard Matthews. Craig, I don't even want to play the music. I just want to get straight into it. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. You've got to play the music. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hello, friends. Welcome to episode 16. You made it. And we made it back out of the cave safely. Uh, quick word about our amazing sponsors, Bluey Merino. Thank you for your amazing Merino products. Rios Gear, floating polarized sunglasses that float and look cool. Caribbean, uh suppliers of our... Well, some of our waterproof backpacks, dry bags, and packs. And last but not least, Topo Maps Plus. They take us deeper into the backcountry. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate it. Now, Craig, before I ask how you are and we get into this hmm. fantastic podcast, hmm. I want to do a little bit of housekeeping for new listeners. Right. I know I've talked to everyone a thousand times about it, but do you know the thing I do with the show notes? If you go to hikeordie.com, go to the podcast page. When you get to the podcast page, you'll see all of the episodes there. Click on an episode and you'll be able to get all the show notes for that particular episode. So that's any links we've referenced, any videos, uh, all sorts of gear, anything that we've talked about. I usually try and dump it there as a reference point for everyone. I just thought it was important to uh, mention that since we haven't done it for a while and we seem to have a big influx of new listeners. Mm, yeah, sure. For tonight too, I reckon there'll be yeah quite a bit of stuff to look yeah, at. Yeah, there'll definitely be <coughs> some stuff for you guys to go back and look at. And if you are a new listener, welcome to this. Yeah. Uh, it's going to get freaky. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, how are you, mate? Oh, good. Thanks, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm two days away from uh, going to my mate's cabin for five days, which I uh, am just hanging for. Yeah, um, that does sound good. Yeah, he's got uh, 6,000 acres in the wilderness and um, I don't know. There's not much more to say mate, about that's it. That's perfect, yeah. It's just sitting around campfires and um, I'm actually going to take my laptop out there and do a little bit of work, just mm. a small amount, and then uh, do a bit of hiking. I do plan on spending one night out uh, alone. So whilst we'll be staying in the cabin most of the time, um, or every other night, I'm going to take my gear and hike down this canyon and find a nice spot to have a little fire and chill out down there by myself. Sounds sweet. Yeah, it's been way too long. Um, since I have been out on Mate, my own. I've got my invite to go there. I'm just putting it on the podcast so everyone knows that <laughs> I am coming. I will be there. Yeah, yeah. You definitely just have a pass to get there now. Kindly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the generous owner. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just got to get some time to, to do it. Sounds great. Yeah. yeah we'll do a little bit of um, 
tinkering and renovating around the cabin, but um, not too much, um, but plenty of exploring and, and looking at some animals and stuff. Yeah, very nice. Um, so that's this weekend. You're getting there now. Well, I'm actually heading down midweek. Yeah. And I'll spend the weekend, and I won't come back till next week. That sounds good. So it's yeah, it's been a it's been a while since I've been down there. Mm. <sighs> Big sigh. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, I have been recovering well from our last uh, trip into the wilderness. <laughs> You've still been recovering. Still recovering. You can put it like that. Actually, I've got something to say. I have since the steamers trip. And, um, well, my ankle held up really well, didn't flinch. And we went through some pretty rough terrain, right? Oh, it wasn't just rough. It was completely ridiculous uh, boulders and the angles at which you were climbing stuff. It was out of control. And then the Tassie trip, my ankle held up fine. So I I, I, I had not been running for... I actually look back through my app that keeps track of my runs, and it was three years. Whoa. I'm not kidding. Because um, if you have been listening or if you do know me, you've uh, I've touched on the fact that I had some serious, like, or just some pain in my ankle when I would run, and so I just stopped running. I will tell you I've been running every night 5Ks. Every night? Every night. You're mad dog. I'm mad dog, which is not a lot, but it's just enough for me to get that feeling back, man, that – Sort of, I really, really missed it. I love the the run and getting that 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 headspace to. So I've it is been, a lot, though. It is a lot if you're doing it consecutively, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I've had the bad news is I've still got some pain in my ankle, but I've been able to run through it and keep a little diary. And I'm trying to get my doctor to sort of work out what this really is because, yeah, it's, it went away for so long, and now it's um, time to sort of test it. Yeah, um, what shoes are you wearing? I bought some brand new shoes in case there was somewhere on my shoes, but I'm wearing the Salomon f- 4s, Speedcross 4s. Yep. And I love them. They're so firm to, to snug on my feet. And then the first, honestly, the first three nights I had no issues, absolutely nothing wrong. And I was like in heaven, but it has come back where I'll, so in the first, in the first k- kilometre, I get this to this point where it's just like it's, it just needs to be warmed up and it'll it'll spark on every sort of step. I get this pain yeah. in my ankle that used to pull me up lame and I'd have to stop. So I um, was worried I was doing doing more damage, but what I've decided is just to push through that because, yeah, at this stage, it's the next day there's no pain. It's just during the run and I, I think it's not much worse than when I used to do a bit of, you know, boot camp action and I'd, I'd just sort of in the – you know, in at, at the moment, just sort of feel a bit of pain. So I'm going to push through it. I'm going to see how far I can take this, keep a bit of journey, you know, a bit of a journal and just work out <clears throat> what's wrong with it. Would you do me a favour if I asked a favour of you? You got, yeah. Would yeah. you go to a oval, like a grass oval right. of sorts in the local area or a park? Yeah. And completely take your shoes and socks off? Mm. And run um, barefoot and do a couple of laps and and see if there was like get see if you get to that same point in the same duration or if it takes longer to get to the pain point or if it is quicker or if it never mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. Be- because the theory behind that is when your foot is protected by a shoe yeah. 
Well, let's take away the whole equation of the drop. So you've got a heel and, and all these weird things are happening to your ankle. Take away that point. And when your foot is protected, you run harder, you run faster, you hit the ground harder. And once you remove the shoes, you, you obviously make accommodations mm. or adjustments to your stride. Um, because you don't have shoes on, I'm just interested to see if, if um, oh, mate, what been, would happen. Yeah, well, I've been studying it to look for triggers. I want to figure out what, what is causing it. So I've been running exactly the same trail, but yet, um, can't figure out why at some point it'll start and then stop, and then the next day it just doesn't even happen. So I, I'm yeah, I'm going to tr- do some experiments. I'm trying like some, like a. If I have an ibuprofen like an hour before, whether I f- feel nothing, I'm, I'm going to start trying that. It sucks that you can't read, eh? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't read. There's yeah. a book, is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I told you about it. You, yeah, the, you weren't interested. Born to Run, yeah? Born to Run. Which is a fantastic song written by... Um, uh, uh, the, not the king, the, uh, the, the boss. The boss. The boss. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a good song. It is, actually. Um, less creepy than some of his other songs. But anyway, yeah, no, I'll watch this space. I'm um, I'm very proud to mention that I've been running again because it feels... Yeah, it's it feels right. Old. Three feels years, right. that's incredible. Yeah. And, um, and the lighter you get, the uh, easier it's going it, to be on everything as well. That's one thing. I reckon that the weight I carry makes a difference on it. So I'm going to see how it goes. And um, I want to you know, start running 10Ks, not not five. But at this stage, yeah. I just switch off at five and just count my blessings that I made it to that at this yeah, stage. Yeah, mate, and... you train up, I'll take you to the dungeon, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome to the dungeon. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, it's cool. Oh, that's good news. I'm happy for you. Yeah, thanks, man. On the other hand, I've not run a single step since we last spoke. I did have a run booked in for last Thursday, but uh, at the last minute, work got in the way, so I cancelled it. Uh, And then this week, I'm too busy uh, with work and packing for this trip. So I might do a run out there. Um, I might do a, I'll take my shoes, I'll take everything with me and I might do a, you know, maybe even it's just a five or a 10 out there mm. through some of the game trails, mm. um, or even down the country roads cause it's way out in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Yes. Uh, I keep you posted on that. Now, what other news did I have? Oh, speaking of, um, uh, Hiking, remember I said I'm doing that 53-kilometer hike? Mm, Did I mention that? Not sure. What's that? Uh, So, it's yeah, it's a tough one to talk about. Oh, you did tell me about this. Of course you did. I shot a documentary a couple of years ago about um, people who have survived leukemia, and they did this amazing... 65 kilometer hike through the mountains over six days. Um, through that documentary, I became very close as you'd expect, because I traveled with, with these guys for eight days and hiked with them and filmed them, became very close to the entire team, uh, all seven of the survivors. Um, well, sadly, uh, 
one of those guys had a relapse um, recently. When I say recently, in the last um, eight months or so, and yeah, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there's a hike, or well, we're basically piggybacking onto a hike where you hike. Um, I think you do about 30 something on the first day and then 25 on the second day, um, something like that, uh, all through the mountains up in the, in the hinterland. Sunshine Coast? Yeah. So, but more of the, the great walk. It's called the great walk. You like Kenilworth and stuff? Um, yeah, it's, or even closer to Mullaney around that area. Okay. Cool. Uh, I did have a look at the maps and they had some maps on there, but that's coming up in four weeks. Um, mm. physically, I got no drama with that. I'll do a couple of more runs and this hike in this end of this week will be good. Uh, but yeah, I just need to get, I need to, um, raise some funds for that because they won't let you enter unless you get a certain amount. So that'll be my next thing to hustle all my friends about. <coughs> Yeah. Friends, if you're listening, you're about to get Facebook uh-huh. messaged so I can do this hike. Uh, for our old mate Rob, uh, he was a dead set legend. He, uh, yeah, nobody pushed as hard as Rob. That's a fact. So, uh, I was joking around to the, to the, this team for this new hike saying, um, getting shirts with what would Rob do? Printed oh. on him. And then. Uh, his wife said we should get him on the back so that the people behind <laughs> who are thinking of quitting look up and have to look at your back where it says, what would Rob do? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's pretty cool because that that son of a gun would never quit. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So that would be pretty cool. That would be interesting if I can get on the ground up there. That's going to be good fun. Yeah. And some of the old crew will be back in force, which is even better. Hey, uh, I had a real interesting for, one for you, matey. Um, you remember we we certainly talked about it on the last podcast, but if anyone hasn't listened to the last podcast, um, well, firstly, I'm a little, little disappointed uh, <laughs> in your commitment. Secondly, we talked a fair bit about uh, our fear of heights. And when I say our fear of heights, mm. collectively, um, the three of us that were, were talking, we all kind of admitted that it's not it's not something that we that we do uh, we don't spend time climbing i have a fear of just thinking about heights you know just think a fear of thinking about heights yeah, yeah i wonder what the term is for that i'm not I don't sure know. but um it's uh well i won't make you think about it please don't but just talk about it so i was talking to this guy that i've started doing some work with and he's a climber so coincidentally i think life puts these events and people in front of you Mm. for reasons. And I said to him in a conversation, I said, can you confirm something for me? I have a suspicion that if you start small and, and work up to it, learn the basics, uh, get more confident with how your body moves and, and also heights, can you chip away at it? And he, he 100% said, yes, you need to come climbing with me and we're going to do, we're going to start indoor. I've done indoor before. I don't have a problem with it for some reason because, well, firstly, there's a rope and mats and stuff and 
there's not wind blowing past you and a hundred foot drop, you know, it, it's a different kettle of fish. But, um, my point being, yeah, he's going to start indoors, get me on some of the basics and then we're going to move, um, to some of the real easy things like, um, easier peaks like Mount Biwa. And then I said, what if I just kept doing the same, like if I kept doing Biwa until it was a you know, just an absolute walk in the park. He said, yeah, that's the way to do it. Like, so yeah, that's good news, mate. You, you can, you can get over this. You can do anything. If you put your mind to oh, it, you can do anything. Listen to this guy over here. Mr. Motivation. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, mate. I think, um, <clears throat> it is. Oh, it, it so is, my friend's a liar, <clears throat> is he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and this is a stitch up. We're just trying to get you out on a mountain. And after I said that, I thought I might say this that um I'm not I'm not necessarily scared of heights. We've been in positions where you can, you know, feel the the it's it's I'm just well, you're just scared of falling. I'm scared of my ability. You know, I'm scared of falling. <laughs> I'm scared of the fact that I don't know how to handle myself on the edge. Well there. that's that's, so what, that's what, he's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He said yeah. get on a wall. <clears throat> Yeah. In an indoor gym, yeah. learn how your body moves, yeah. learn how to grip, learn how to reach across and pull your body weight up, build your yeah. strength, obviously, and your ability, flexibility. Yeah. And add all those things together. And then, I don't know, it was good. I thought it was good. Uh, I thought you'd be happy to hear that. It is. It is a good idea to um, not, chip away at that, man. Yeah. And I, I figure that <clears throat> the more we get out there, the more and more these places present themselves and you know that there's been a few times where i've had to turn back for um similar reasons and i think ah oh, just you know that that hike was such a poignant one because you got as josh said in the last podcast you got 98 percent of the way mm. to this lookout 98 percent, and mm. then you presented with this precarious scramble and only the brave get the view yeah and i've been thinking about that a lot and yeah. i think i can i think i can go back and do it with some help especially yeah. if i took um someone with me who could climb and right in front of my eyes showed me that it's possible yeah and talked me through it you know yeah no i'm with you on that i think um a little bit of preparation I think it would be worth chipping away at that because a lot of occasions, do you remember when we, um, at the top of that waterfall, I'm thinking O'Reilly's, I'm thinking a time-lapse photo and I had to jump down that little um, little ledge right on the on the top of the waterfall there. Do you remember that? And set the, yeah, set I the, remember that clearly. Yeah, so I had to set the tripod up. And for, in my head, I'm going to land on my feet and – tumble forward and fall to my death, right? It wasn't, yeah. you know, it it's, wasn't positive. that difficult. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, like you had to pull me back up using, you know, I remember I had to lift my arm up and you had to lift me back out of that position. And in my head I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to just, I'm going to fall to my death here. But yeah, I'm no, sure I it's a very that. simple move, you know. Yeah, and we've said this about that other place. I said, if you recreated that exact scramble in your backyard, yeah. 
you know, three foot off the ground, you'd run up it and yeah. not use your hands and you'd laugh at it. Yep. I'd land with no problem. It's just that that cliff was Oh, maybe it. not you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. I can always count Still on you. trip over. Yeah. 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 That's what I do. Um, no, no, but you're right. Yeah. You'd, you wouldn't have a problem because you don't have that psychological battle going on mm. with the, what is it? It's the... Um, Fear. The, it's the potential to do the wrong thing that is overpowering you rather than knowing that you could easily walk up it. Yeah. All right, if we can make it easy in our head, um, it might, yeah, it would make a difference. Well, yeah, it definitely is a, a mental battle over, uh, over physical because physically it's not such a crazy thing. Hey, mate, I'm just... What are you showing me here? Oh, I'm showing you this. Somebody sent this to me. I'm still on the news topic. Uh, it's an uh, it was an infographic, and I will. It's on a website called riderstrail.com. They sent me this into infographic and said, "Oh, you might be interested in this." And we get a lot of stuff sent our way, Craig. I don't even bother you with some of the requests we get, um, and I politely decline. A lot of stuff because we I don't like to sell out. Um, anyway, this was called 23 Ways Hiking Makes You Healthier. And I thought, that's a lot. Man, that's a lot of ways. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so, even that old. If, so. if you haven't tried hiking, yeah. 23 ways. 23 ways. Uh, I'm not going to go through them all, but <clears throat> there was a couple that I thought were were pretty cool. Well, some of them are kind of common sense, but then a lot of this, when I read through, there was actually a bit of research behind it. This one I found interesting. A study shows that people, when exposed to nature for four days, does it say four days? I can't yeah, see it. I think it says for four days. Showed a 50% increase in creativity and problem-solving skills. That's pretty cool mm, cool that's a cool statistic so yeah so the title of that um bullet point was hikers are creative i'd have to say that when i return from trips i'm definitely i don't know if i'd run around saying i'm feeling more creative but i definitely feel um psychologically refreshed that i can attack problems and situations with a bit more tact that perhaps I wouldn't have if I was worn down. Oh, we've always said you look at things differently. Yeah. And I think that's what it could be said to be creative, like because you've got a, a different perspective on it. Yeah. That was, um, I thought that one was interesting. Hmm. Hiking delays aging. That is true because I look, look at us. Oh, I look like I'm about 27. <laughs> yeah. So... That's that's a true fact. Actually, if you go to Instagram, you'll agree with me. Yeah. Hiking is good for your brain. Yeah. Hiking heals. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff where you, um, you know, it's it's self-explanatory. But at the same time, I think it's self-explanatory because we've kind of lived it so much. Like this point here, hiking improves sleep quality. Yeah, it does. When you've hiked 21 kilometers, um, you sleep pretty damn well. No doubt. But I think the point of that is that 
it's not just that night. I think you definitely have, I think anytime outdoors tends to extend itself beyond just the trip, if you know what I mean. Mm. So yeah, I'm going to put that in for graphic on the, in the show notes anyway, because <clears throat> each point that they mention in the infographic, they then go through and oh, right. talk about in more detail and they have links to some of the studies. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. Look at that, Craig. Lower risk, risk of colon and breast cancer. Lower risk of early death unless... <laughs> unless what were we talking about rock, before? Yeah, yeah, unless you're rock climbing or something. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I agree with that point. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's pretty cool. What else have I got for you? Um, uh, that's it for news. You got any other news? Oh, did you see, I asked you a question and then I straight away cut you off, which was terrible. Did you see the, there was a lost mm. hiker in, on the Overland track? Found, to, uh, today. Oh, really? Found a, alive today. Found alive. Okay. What was the, um, what was the story? Saturday he went missing and it's Tuesday now. Yeah, that's, that's a long time. And it's snowing, it's freezing. Yeah. He was near Cradle Mountain. Oh, really? So he'd only gotten that far? Well, that was what the head, headline said. Oh, okay. They... But who knows where. I, I, don't, I haven't actually read anything. I just saw a little news report today that he was found alive and um, he looked in good. He looked pretty good when he was yeah. um, getting, getting uh, walked out of there. So he was walking out of there. So I don't know the story yet. We'll have to yeah. look it up. As you know, from anywhere in that entire region, you're never far from water. So at the very least, he had whatever snacks were in his pack, whatever yeah. food. But he, and he probably would had, always have water. Probably had shelter on his back, as we as we all do. But I'm just surprised it took that long to to locate him. Except very that, surprised. Yeah, I, we all know the weather's been real, real yeah, bad down point. there. I mean, if we're talking <clears throat> clouded in, then I 100% get it. But if we're talking clear skies, he's not going to get that far from that that track. So you know, you wouldn't no. think so. And how... he's going to be wearing bright coloured clothes. Uh, anyway, listen to us, experts. Listen we've to us. Done, we haven't even we've saved so many people with helicopters uh, and stuff. And we haven't yeah. even read the article about what happened. <laughs> we don't even know what Here we're we talking are. about. There was a guy. He was some guy did something. He survived, and we're not happy about it. No. Why didn't you get him on Saturday? We were there. We didn't even get lost, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was telling someone about that um, just yesterday, I think, and what I was saying was when, you, when you're hiking the Overland Track, uh, it's got to be one of the safest, most clearly defined and clearly marked trails I've ever hiked on in my life. Um, and But here's the, the massive but. The second that gets snow-covered, Oh, that yeah. terrain looks all the same uh, because the trail can be under one or two foot of snow. And you think about those big button grass plains and everything. We're That's probably on, what's happened then. And it, you could just walk <clears throat> for a day and just mm. be meandering around. The only reference points you have is <clears throat> I'd like to say every 100 to 200 meters there's a uh, post in the ground with a little um, orange triangle on it and they're deliberately sort of about six foot high deliberately so that when it does get snowed in you just look point to point and keep following them and you'll actually be on the proper trail mm. 
But at some point, he's wandered off. I, I don't know. <coughs> How would I know? Haven't read the article. Sounds like an interesting article we should read, mate. <laughs> Sounds like an article we should read. But I did hear about it, and um, yeah, somehow he must have been on his own out there, got lost for a few days, managed to survive, so that's lucky. Yeah. Um, of course, always glad to hear when a hiker comes back safe and uh, just um, it keeps reinforcing that uh he did have an EPIRB again. I haven't read the article. Who knows? Let's not go into details, but get yourself an EPIRB. Get yourself good jackets. Um, make sure you're prepared if you do have to stay an extra night or two. Craig's actually <laughs> typing into his computer. One-handed. One-handed. You better hurry up because I'm just about to move on to the next segment. All right, move on. We'll come back to this if we have to. We will? Okay. Craig, it's time for, and I don't even have a new theme song yet, uh, Tom's Mystery Media Mashup. <sighs> sounds good. Sounds yeah, good. it sounds, sounds good. good. Um, all right. I'm so glad we changed it to media again because I haven't finished a book. I'm reading two books simultaneously and, or simultaneously, depending on what part of the world you're from. And... I haven't finished either one. Let me tell you what I did find, though. I, this guy has a YouTube channel called Fendabi, Fendabi Dozy. He's from Scotland. And I, I don't even know how I stumbled across his content. But let me tell you what he does. He will dress up as... Somebody would have centuries ago have all of the same clothing made from the same materials, have you know the the Scottish kilt or um, their version of it. Um, he'll his bag will be identical to what they might have carried. He'll have an animal skin, um, you know, everything wrapped up in a bundle. He'll carry food like oats that they would have carried. He has um, what's it called a a kus kuski, I think it's called a um, one of those wooden mugs. So mm. everything down to his boots, which are just these leather kind of like um, um, Peter Pan shoes, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll go into the wilderness of Scotland, and it looks freezing cold, and he'll just spend a night or a couple of nights out there, and just basically live. What he says at the start of one of his videos is they say the um, best way to learn about history is to relive it. And then he just wanders off into this beautiful mountains and stuff. And this guy just goes out there and he just stays the night, like I said, and makes a little fire and everything. And it's just, I don't know what is so addictive about it. It's very peaceful. Mm. He doesn't sit there talking. He just lets the video uh do the talking it's cool I'm gonna i don't put... know why but i really want to watch that so. oh man you, you you will love it there's two videos in particular um i've already started the show notes for this particular episode because uh, i knew i was going to talk about this so i've got two particular videos okay of his and he's, he's just a real likable guy he's got a great name his name's tom um <laughs> that's what it seems is seems like a top bloke right yeah so he does this thing called the highlander series where he just gets in this 
this garb of, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago and just wanders off into the forest. It's really cool. Yeah, I still don't know why, but I do want to watch it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter? You doesn't just matter. watch it? It doesn't matter why. Take it in. Uh, well, Take I think in. it's cool that this guy goes out there. You know, we're running around with $600, $700 um, tents and stuff and uh, packs, uh, $400 boots and whatever, and this guy's going out there um, in <clears throat> leather boots that he's made and, and a kilt. It's pretty cool. Mm. I rate it, hundred percent. If you got some news there on this guy, it no, nothing more than we already know. Uh, good he job, was very, good job, fi- mate. <laughs> he was is on the research. <laughs> oh, he's fifty-seven. That must that be that changes everything. He's, he's fifty-seven. We didn't know that until now. <laughs> oh, I knew he was old. Did oh, you? sorry, that's not that old. That's not that old. No, and um, he was supposed to have turned up at Lake St Clair on Friday, and he didn't. So that's when they started the search. Did it say where they found him? No, it says nothing else. It's ridiculous. Because, um, well, that's not much that's not of an much of an article. There's we need f- to get him on the podcast. Mm. Tell us what happened. Mm. Ah, <laughs> cool story. Uh, okay, I got another one for you. Oh, this is a cross. No, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that. This you got to play this. You go to YouTube. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Um, you go to YouTube and <coughs> type in... Um, Excuse me. Sorry, I'm coughing a bit. Yeah, he's coughing a bit. Just type in Salomon. Yep. Um, O-M-O-N. Yep. TV. Yeah. Salomon TV. Let's see if I can Salomon find this. So TV. go to that channel. Yep. Um... What I did was this is just pause that. I don't know what that is, but that's a bit odd. Go Do you to want the, people to hear this? Should we be recording? Oh, in a minute. Let me just start the recording here. Oh, that's not the Oh, right it doesn't mouse. matter if it just plays through the speakers, mate. But it won't unless I pull this out. Do you want it to? Um, yeah. Yep, pull it out. Feel free now to play from your YouTube on the laptop. Oh, wow. They got a lot of videos. I feel like an idiot now. Look at all that. All right. Here it is. Here it is. Turn that up. Turn the volume up. Uh huh. We can do that. Yep. Turn it up. And just, I just want you to watch this full screen. Nice. pretty that's brutal yeah that looks good number five. Oh, the soundscape and everything very cool. i'll tell you how i came about that was that's gonna autoplay man <clears throat> i just muted it 
Um, <coughs> excuse me. I went back to fix up some of the show notes pages. I knew there was um, a few bits and pieces I'd missed. On one of the episodes, I think it was episode 13, we, I mentioned the release of the Speed Cross, Salomon Speed Cross 5. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll go back and just find a, a, a video about the Speed Cross 5 just to throw on that show notes. Then I discovered that video last night and cranked it up with my headphones on and just was frothing because it is so epic. It's a, it's actually, the cinematography is spectacular. And if you don't want to buy six pairs of Salomon after that, I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, check it out. I'm going to put that on the show notes. Now, Craig, here's where, here's where our Tom's Mystery Media mashup rolls into another segment because a guy called Glenn. Glenn's from Belgium and he sends a very kind message. So, so I'm kind of moving into shout outs now. You see what's happening? Okay, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah. Glenn sent us a, a really nice message saying, guys, I love the podcast. I'm listening from Belgium. And he said, uh, you know, because I'm always talking about trail running something, which is only a recent uh, addiction of mine. And he said, oh, I'm training for the Eiger Ultra trail run. And there's um, varying, I think there's about three, maybe four. I think there's three different lengths that you can do. Uh, one is somewhere around 16 kilometers. So, you know, reasonable, solid. And anyway, Glenn's doing the 51 kilometer. Mm. There's also a hundred. So I thought I'm going to look up this Iger Ultra Mm. and I Googled and I found the website and I also found this really cool, um, video on their website. Uh, it's kind of like a mini documentary goes for four or five minutes again the scenery so it's in switzerland so he, just to be clear he's from belgium but he's actually traveling to switzerland to compete and that is in the next couple of days literally in three days time he's going to be competing mm. in the 51k and i went and looked at the the scenery i know i just said this two seconds ago but it's mind-blowing it looks like um, I don't know, there's crazy peaks and everything just in the, just in the 51 Ks, there's three kilometers of elevation up and three kilometers of elevation down just over 51 Ks. Think about running three kilometers up, (laughs) but then doing that three kilometers down and doing that all over a 51 kilometer span is just mind blowing. Um, yeah, really cool. Um, so I will put that video on as well. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you what else is cool. <laughs> this is cool. I think people listening say, why would anyone want to ever do that? I'll tell you why, because you win a rock or you get a rock. If you finish, I'm pretty sure it finishes ribbon goes around your neck and there's a hole drilled through a rock, which I'm assuming they've picked up along the course. And you get this rock on a ribbon. Okay. 
that's just a finisher. Guess what you get if you actually win? You get a hand-forged old-school, like, ice pick. And oh, they inscribe your name on the top and everything. That's so cool. Okay. That's Sign old, me up. Yeah, it's good. We'll see you there next year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really wanted to wish um, Glenn the best of That's absolute true. best of luck and safe travels, mate. Um, he uh, he was really excited that we dropped another podcast um, a few days back because he said, oh, great, I'll do one more training session and listen to you guys. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, Hang tough. in there, run for us. Go for it. And one day I might join you because that sounds absolutely fantastic. All right. Uh, uh, let me just continue on the, the trail running vibe. Justin sent me a message on Facebook and he said, um, send me one of those caps and I'll wear it on top of Mount Biwa. So he's from Australia, which okay. is kind of um, strange because we don't get that many um, Australians kind of reaching out to us. Uh Anyway, then I was sort of replying to him and he started talking about the trail running and he said he's going to do the black all and the, the black all has a 50 and a 100, I believe. So he's going to do the black all 50, which is all through the black all um, forest and ranges up there. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. familiar with that area? Sort of. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful, spectacular. And uh, he's trying to talk me into it and I'm a little bit interested, but... It's only a couple of months away, so I'd really have to get myself into gear for that. Hmm. That sounds pretty cool. So anyway, Justin, I'll um I'll hassle you and and we'll see if you can get that hat up the top of Mount Beerwell, mate. Sounds good. Now here's a good one. Sean from Melbourne. I'm sure I've mentioned Sean before. Every now and then he drops this comment, uh, you know, telling us what he likes and he was saying in a comment that his two favorite, do you, do you want to try and guess his two favorite episodes? So he's listened, he's listened to everyone, which I recommend everybody does because that's a really good supporter. Of course. One of the best supporters we've got, right? Yeah, that's what a good supporter does. I, I don't know, man. Sorry. I am trying to think. I reckon I'd be on the... Um, landscape photographer. Landscape photographer. Good guess. No. Cracking episode. Cracking episode. If you're into landscape photography, jump on it. No, no, it's not. I'm gonna I'm not gonna keep you guessing. One was Leave No Trace. All right. And one was What's in the Pack. Oh, okay. Possibly the longest podcast the we've one ever done about we, what we assumed was the most boring. It felt derailed at times, but Yeah. Yeah, that <clears> was uh, we went to some dark places in our podcast lives during that. <laughs> But recommend you all listen again. What he said was, <laughs> that, yes, uh, those episodes make him think twice about how he does things outdoors. Oh, that's, that's a pretty cool ethos. I okay. like that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, the other thing he said was that, and I, I, some parts I find this hard to believe, he says that the podcast got him through some um, tough times uh, about a year ago, I think, from memory. And he said that listening to us was kind of like therapy. Uh, 
probably very cheap therapy, therapy that I wouldn't pay any money for. Don't pay but for he that. Said, <laughs> no, don't pay any money for that. That's why the podcast's free. <laughs> but he did say that listening to us talk about adventures inspired him to, you know, get back into planning his own adventures and getting outdoors. Uh, when I hear comments like that, mm. I have this almost, uh, I don't know how to say it, a shock at the influence that we potentially have. And then I have this second wave of consciousness, which is, wow, just to be clear, we don't know what we're doing, everybody. <laughs> you know, like it's just our, it's just our personal uh, findings. It's what we've discovered. It's what works for us. I'm not, I'm not trying to put a caveat in there. I guess what I'm saying is um, if we can reach people like that and, you know, I guess get people thinking about the outdoors in a different way or – yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm just really grateful that uh, we've had the opportunity to to positively influence uh, somebody into getting back in the outdoors. Yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Craig? Yeah, I think if if you can just take your own take your own you know sort of adventure from us, choose your own adventure, your own path. Sorry, from our adventures, then why not um, get something from it? Yeah, I've always said that this is the what not to do of hiking. Well, you have said that. And, I, you know, this is the perfect <laughs> moment to bring that up again when people are possibly listening a bit closely. I Yeah, I'm sure that um, it's it's good for you to encourage others to to seek their own adventures. Let's just let's just hope that they don't do exactly as we do all oh, the time. Oh, no, do not do this at home. I oh, know he's not. He's, he's cool. He's all good. Uh but it's something else. There's, he said he um, bought a grail, which is fantastic. I said, you're not going to regret That's that. That's not a bad decision. No, he said after listening to us talk about it, he researched it and he bought it. And then he's the next purchase he's going to make. And he must have really good friends because someone said that they would buy one for him. Is a PLB, personal locator beacon. Yeah, they're good. So I sent him a couple of links to the one I had and the one you've got. Um, now... This was uh, <laughs> when you listen to the our chat later on with Richard. Um, this will make perfect sense. Sean also said, "Please try and keep Craig off the whiskey." <laughs> right, <laughs> Sean, and uh, and then he also said we were talking about personal locator beaters. Up. Locator beaters. <laughs> Who's Sounds on the like whiskey? A... <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Sounds like something you hit someone with. Yeah. Uh, personal locator beacons. Uh. And he said, Craig's probably has a bottle opener built into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, that's possible. That's, that's, that's sort of a message bad... you're putting out there, Craig. Oh. And, oh, I'm not even going to ruin the surprise of what you do mid-podcast later on. With our guest. I'm oh. not even going to ruin the surprise. Keep listening. It's <laughs> absolute gold. Gold. Comedy in shoes. Listen <laughs> to this. Uh, yeah, and to which I replied and said something like, um, yeah, 
I think there's a little pouch with his lip balm in it as well. <laughs> and he said, oh, maybe you need to go and do another what's in the pack for everything that he didn't tell us about. Yeah. So that was fun, kind of roasting you without you there. It was pretty cool. Thanks, Sean. Oh, it all makes sense now. Thanks, Sean. Yep. You've got me <laughs> sussed. Oh, yeah, totally have. Totally have because this podcast is only going to get better, Craig. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, what else have I got in my notes here, mate? You know what? I think I'm about done. Does that mean we can start to introduce? Or do you have anything to add? No, that's good, man. That's good. Uh, good. Some fun stuff in there. Really good. Really good stuff. Oh, I'm going to add one more thing. I add one more thing, and this should probably have been during the news. Not more from your mate Sean, is it? No, yeah, Sean says... <laughs> no. no um, episode 13, we had Kaz and Chrissy on the show. Yeah. And during that podcast, they were telling us about all these crazy adventures. And remember they told us about that uh, creek that they were camping in. It was more like a canyon. Mm. That And then the rain came and they there was a flash flood. Yeah, the first one they've ever experienced. Intense, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty scary... Kind of the way the story unfolds is pretty scary. Well, um, Kaz is a fantastic photographer and Chrissy is a great writer. And she wrote an article for, what is it, Wild Magazine? I wish I had have written that down. I'll put it in the show notes anyway. But, yeah, it's... They've got a, on their Facebook page, they've got a few photographs of the magazine. So they've got their photographs in there. But if I can try and read like one section to you, if I can zoom in enough. Our concern turns to the possibility of a rock fall from the cliffs above. Then what if it rains? Prior to this trip, my weather research indicated there would be a chance of six to 10 millimeters of rain tonight. We had reason there would be ample time to set things to sit things out if rocks got slippery and hampered our progress. Uh, then it goes on to say, upstream is a narrow flat shelf of rock beneath the slightly overhung wall. It offers barely any protection from falling rocks, but it's all we've got. We set ourselves up and sit and wait. Craig finally speaks. Should I do his accent? <laughs> Just go for it. Yeah, go on. Never in my 30 years on rivers. Did I think or imagine I would see something like this? That was horrible. Yeah. A former whitewater rafting guide, Craig has worked on some of Australia's best rivers. It just goes on to talk about that. But, yeah, cool story. <coughs> awesome story to hear firsthand. And, uh, yeah, fantastic to see that they got that published. I'll put some links to that mm, cool. in the show notes. But congrats to them to getting yet another another uh, article in the magazine they really know how to hit that sweet spot yeah they're a good duo a wild land or something isn't it right a wild land is their uh website yeah yep yeah i I, I still see them come up on my news feed and it's always nice it's always nice to see that stuff yeah their photography's um top notch and the words that go with it are always uh you know either inspiring or really paint a pretty cool picture yeah, totally. Yeah. And they're top people as well. Jump on to episode 13. Mm -hmm. You won't regret it. 
Speaking of fantastic guests, I did allude to this while I told you outright mm-hmm. earlier that we were speaking to British adventurer Richard Matthews. It was a fantastic chat, was it not, Craig? Absolutely, yeah, for yeah, sure. He's a really driven young guy who's just done some absolutely amazing stuff, uh, logistically ridiculous stuff. I'm not going to spoil any of the stories. I'm going to let you listen to it. But do you have anything else to add, Craig, before we let these guys hear it? Oh, well, we <clears throat> we plan adventures with uh, a few people and we go out into the wilderness and, and, and have, a, have a fun time. This, this guy um, does everything from extreme solo adventures to um, massive crowdsourced adventures with so many people involved, hundreds of people. Yeah, big big rallies and stuff that and the duration of some of these trips are yeah. you know sort of nine months or or even more in some cases. So, so that's what it, yeah. you know it led us to yeah, it's inspirational chat with a with, yeah, fantastic bloke so yeah, some someone uh, it's just really good to talk to a uh, young person that's so driven and gets so much out of the outdoors and adventure and is also given a lot back too. So I don't think I have anything else to add, but let's hear it, eh? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. That's smashing. Oh, are you all good? Yeah, I'm all ready to go. Ah, good stuff, mate. How you doing? Yeah, absolute chaos at the moment. Absolute chaos is all that, over the place. Is that right? What's <laughs> happening at the moment? Uh, I'm currently packing to go away for another two weeks on a, on a youth-led expedition. Okay. Well, sorry, I'm leading a youth-led expedition for the next two weeks. Uh, <laughs> is that? Yeah, a, is and then I got back from one. Is that safe? One. Yeah, be right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're alright. We're fine. That's good. Good. Yeah, that's a good attitude. <laughs> hey, mate. I was um, I was reading through your uh, website last night, and uh, the um, couple of things that were listed there were British adventurer. That that made perfect sense to me. Um, speaker. Yeah, that made perfect sense to me. Mental health advocate. No problems there. It was when I got to also a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society that I thought, what the heck is that? <laughs> ah, yeah, the fellow of the Royal Geographical Society. What does that mean? Um, it, it's basically a almost a, a title. Like it, it puts FRGS after my name. And it, it means I'm allowed into the Royal Geographical Society, which has one of the largest geographical collections in the world of, of geographical and, and expedition artifacts, really. Oh, wow. There's around 16,000 fellows in the world of the Royal Geographical Society, anyway, in, the, in London. And, yeah, but basically it, it's, it's a really interesting title to basically show that you're advancing geography and everyone who's a fellow is advancing geography in some way shape or form and geography is obviously such a vast subject that it it just makes it's just really interesting in that sense uh, so my kind of 
sort of how would I put it? My my input has been that I'm advancing it for young people. So I do a lot of stuff for young people, taking them away on uh, youth expeditions, international expeditions, getting people outside, and as a, as a youth worker as well. So it kind of ties in with other things I'm doing. Okay. So, so yeah, that's that's what a fellow is. It's it's pretty interesting, mm. and it's good fun. It's also a really good way of networking because the they know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. No, that sounds awesome. So are you saying that there's a, is there a central location where you've got access to these artifacts or documents or is it is it several locations around the world? Uh, no, it's it's one location in, uh, in London. And obviously every country has their own geographical society. So there's the Royal Scottish Geographical Society oh, and, right. uh, and America. And America, there's another one. I think it's um, the Explorers chapter or something like that. Right, but they're not um, fellows, mate. Yeah, you're a fellow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> now I see the difference. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad I asked about that. That's really awesome. Hey, it's Craig here, mate. Richard, how you going? Yeah, Royal Craig, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, this evening over here. I know it's about midday where you are. Um, you tell us a little bit about the, the adventure you just had and, and what you've come off of and what you've been doing. Oh, I've been out in Slovenia for a week and a half and kind of just getting back into the mountains, really. it's It's been a good laugh, really. So it was, in essence, a way of me getting back to do some of the route that I hadn't done previously. Right. And so when I did the Slovenian mountain trail last October, I foolishly went in October when all the huts <laughs> were shut. And being limestone, there was no water anywhere. You can only get it from the huts. So I couldn't do a lot of the high alpine stuff. Right. So I decided, you know what, that was solo. This year, I'll come back, I'll bring some friends, well, anyone who wants to come along, if they're up for it, and go out into the, the high Alps, start the first ones I missed, and go from there. And that's what we did. We went out for a week and a half into the, the Kamik Savinia Alps, and went up, what, 2,500 metres up into the Alps. Mm. It was good fun, actually. It was really good fun. It was interesting to see people and take people who had never been to the Alps as well. Yeah, kind of a, a bit of a shock for them going on Via Ferrata and, and things like this and, and going and going on some really steep ground and being June, July sort of time there's still a lot of snow on the ground as well that high up. Yeah, oh, no doubt there would be. Um, mm. What sort of temperatures are you getting over there at the moment? Well, in Slovenia it was actually record-breaking temperatures and they're having 46 degrees uh, down in the valleys. Up at the tops it was 23 degrees, I think, on one of the top of the mountains at 2,500, which was just unheard of. Are you talking uh, now, over uh, Fahrenheit, I'm hoping? <laughs> uh, centigrade. Centigrade. So did you say they were getting 46? Yeah, 46 down oh, in the valley. Yeah. It was record-breaking temperature. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. That's deadly. Mm. Wow. Yeah. No wonder you needed it's, water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. I went in October last year, and I was all geared up for winter conditions, like ice axe, crampons, the works, and then it just didn't happen. Didn't see any snow at all. Wow. <laughs> and so you just teed yeah. up. You just teed up for some people to just tag along with you that you didn't know too well before the trip. Is that what you mean? 
Yeah, yeah. That that one was aimed more at people who I did know, mainly because of the intensity mm. of of going out into the Alps and the route I wanted to do. It, I kind of wanted to take people who I knew were kind of capable, knew were kind of yeah in that area because we, we were we were high up. We were on some pretty yeah pretty gnarly stuff. Yeah, I've seen and some of I the actually, images, mate, and um, yeah, it's it's um it's the real deal, mate. Mm. Yeah, it's it's intense, and, and quite a few people want, wanted to come along, and I'm like, look, sorry, yeah. I, I just don't think, I don't think you're up for it. Yeah, you'd have to have a bit of a selection um, criteria for sure, man. <clears throat> yeah, you do, and it's horrible to say that I'm sorry you can't come, but at the end of the day, it's no, no, I, I understand that. Trouble. It's you, you're putting um, uh, everyone's safety at jeopardy, and the success of the of the whole trip uh, if you if you don't have that kind of a strict criteria and i think um there's definitely hikes that i wouldn't do unless uh, i knew the person really well because of the you know the intensity and the the physical requirements and also for those um kind of shit hits the fan moments where you're you need to have that hard discussion or you need to make that hard decision and you need to know that you can have these i guess robust conversations with someone without um, them just, you know, having having a cry or something. <laughs> mm. Did it all go well yeah, this this time around? It all went went well. Uh, yeah, we did have someone decide to uh, have a five meter fall down a mountain, but apart from that, it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> really? So they, have they yeah. been, have they been found yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't too bad. It, it could have been very very bad. To Is be that fair. right? Um, we, we were very lucky, yeah. She wow. she slipped coming down this, um, or going across, traversing across yeah. one of the mountains on like a grassy path. Yeah. And she just rolled five meters down this, well, I'd say, 75, 60 degree sort of slope. Yep. And stopped about five meters below. If she had gone another three meters, she'd have been in rock scree, and, and who knows and then, what would have happened yeah, there. Yeah, tumbled or slid down the rock scree. Yeah, well, she was rolling onto rock scree, I mean, and it was getting steeper as well, so I didn't wow. want to think about what, what could have happened. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Oh, that's um, good. Well, that makes for good stories. Yeah, and I think that was one of two, actually. The other one was when everyone else wanted to go climbing. They had organized to go sport climbing for the day, so I decided to go out on my own. And I went out and did a, a bit of a big route and then was coming down some Via Ferrata that was in the process of being refurbished and got onto it, the only way down, and pulled on the, the cable the first time and the bolt came out. <laughs> and uh, at about 1,000 metres straight down below me on not very much uh, on the side of the mountain. So that, that was pretty heart-stopping, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That's too much for me, mate. Yeah. I prefer to just listen to your stories about that. <laughs> uh, so uh, these, these are only some of many. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. I bet. Um, something that I read about this um, Slovenia trip was, and you did touch on it a minute ago, that it was a return to your roots. Is that essentially where you started to find adventure was just in in hiking itself yeah it was yeah it was where, where i live in, here in devon in the uk we have an event called 10 tours which is 
across Dartmoor. It's aimed at 13 to 18 year olds. Right. And you have to walk 35, 45 or 55 miles across two days uh, across Dartmoor. Mm. Now, Dartmoor isn't mountainous. The highest point's like 621 meters. But what it is, is a giant flat plateau. It's completely featureless. The weather can change in an instant. So you can have like blazing sunshine one minute and the next minute it'll be raining or foggy. Uh, navigationally, it's one of the most difficult places in the UK, in my opinion, to, to navigate. And there's a reason that the army have a base up there and train yeah. troops up there. Yeah, I've read a bit about so I started, that. I started doing that when I was 12. And the first time I did the actual event when I was 13, it was just it was just mad for me. I loved it. I really did. And I'm still involved with it today. And you know, it's been 13 years here and there. And I've I try and help out where I can when I'm back in the country, really, and 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 give back is because it was so much fun. You learn so much. You get the navigational skills, working with the team, because these young people are out on their own. These thirteen-year-olds, like, there's no adult support. They yeah. they've got to look after themselves, That's which fantastic. is mad to think, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's also um, amazing. That's great. And, and yeah, that's that's kind of where it started. Alongside that, I was doing kayaking, and I was involved with the scouts and the air cadets. And I just then from there kind of went for it and was like, all right, I'll have a go at everything. So I, I did some mad things then. I was flying planes on my own at like 17 and just climbing, just, just about anything I could get my hands onto in, in terms of the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, was, that was really it really for, for me. And that was kind of where I felt comfortable and hopefully it would progress into something. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, um, so just, um, if my exceptional math, uh, helps me here, does that put you around 26 years old at this current time? It does. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. How good is that? That's pretty good for me. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> that was magic. Yeah. Um, Okay, mate, you're still um, a spring chicken in my book, so I can't imagine <laughs> what sort of crazy stuff. Do you feel a need, uh, whether it's conscious or unconscious, do you feel a need to um, continually break barriers? Are you trying to think of stuff that's more crazy than the last time you did something? Yes and no. In in some ways, yes, because... Uh, why not? You can. Yep. In other ways, I'm looking at stuff that's different. Yeah. So, done lots of big driving trips. They're awesome. And I love them. But I want to do something different. I want to do sort of more mountaineering stuff, which is how the Slovenia thing happens. I'm now looking at doing some cycling because I've never done cycling because it's different. It's it's not necessarily breaking the boundaries in terms of what everyone else has done. Yep. To be honest, what everyone else does, like, crack on, go, go do you. That's amazing. And in terms of me, I just, I just want to help other people get out there and kind of all my trips I want to do, I want to be able to take people along in some way, shape or form, uh, whether that's me going out and recce in a route or to then take other people in the future or just doing something completely ridiculous that I'm thinking of planning and doing in the future. Um, which involves seven islands and the ocean. I don't want to say too much on it because I haven't, I haven't really shared the light on it, but it's pretty ridiculous. Fair enough. There's a bit of an exclusive for our listeners right there anyway. <laughs> I think that'll whet their appetite. Um, no, I like that. That's a good answer, mate. Um, 
can I uh, just putting this kind of picture together? There was um, mention of, uh, and if you don't mind us get delving into this a bit, the anxiety and and depression. Now, was that um, personally your own experiences with that mentioned on your website? Yeah, it was. So, um, yeah, it paint the picture for us. Where does that fit into this timeline? If you're at a young age out and about adventuring and, and doing all this amazing stuff at, at what point in the timeline do we get to a point where something, something like that happened to you? It was actually the catalyst to all of it. Really. It was before any of my big adventures. Right. It was what, uh, four years ago now, something like that. Okay. Four years ago. It was, yeah. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Four, four to three years ago. Right. Yeah. So, before any of my big trips, it was after a, a particularly um, serious breakup. It was one of those horrendous moments. And from the back of that, I was it was a case of, you know what, I'm going to do something out there and I'm going to see if anybody wants to drive to Mongolia with me. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's that, what I used that, to do when I broke up with girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone does that, right? They yeah, go yeah. on really stupid things and drive to Mongolia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all trying to get to Mongolia eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I've got a shirt that says "Get to Mongolia." <laughs> <laughs> now, if that shirt hasn't been made, mate, you need to make that. Put your logo on it. Get there. <laughs> T- tell us about that. <laughs> tell us about the Mongol rally, mate, because I. I've got to admit, I well, there's a lot I need to learn about this. I have no idea uh, why or what the purpose is. Can you can you paint this this picture for our listeners? Absolutely. So the Mongol Rally was set up what twelve years ago, fifteen years ago. Don't know exactly. Uh, Mid two thousands. And the idea is, is you take a really crappy car from the UK and drive it to Mongolia. Now the rules are or when I did it, they changed kind of every year. It had to be under 1.2 litres. It had to be at least 10 years old. It had to be under 500 pounds. And that was kind of it. Yeah. The start point was Brighton in the Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with Brighton, yeah. And then the finish line was Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar. Well, it was actually Ulaanude in Siberia, in Russia for my year. And uh, there was no route. That, that was it. That was all the information he was given, and then you had to kind of figure it out. So <laughs> we ended up going through Iran, Turkmenistan, wow. all these other countries, uh, Afghanistan. For, well, we were on the border for Afghanistan for nearly 1,000 kilometers, uh, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan. But being a semi-organized trip, there was loads of other teams. So right. we actually did about... 50% of the entire route with an Australian team. Uh, some you really cool poor, guys down in Sydney. Bastard. <laughs> right? Uh, it was terrible. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> and there was actually, there was four teams that we kind of stayed with for a lot of it, but it ch- chopped and changed all the time. Yeah. Like in Iran, there were seven teams of Brits, uh, Canadians, and American, and American, because it was very difficult for us to get into Iran. So we kind of all bundled together. Right. And yeah, the Mongol Rally is just, it's just ridiculous. And people do try and bring uh, Suzuki Jimnies 
because they're 1.3 4 by 4s Yep. But the organizers are, are pretty mad about things, and they sent them away with a fridge painted gold that they had to get to the finish line with. And oh, I, I don't wow. mean like a little fridge. I mean a fridge freezer tall thing that was sticking out the top of their car. And was they that, had to get was to that the punishment? With it. Was that punishment for having yeah, a well, point, point one of a <laughs> liter over? Uh, no, it's punishment for having a four-wheel drive mm. and oh, too good a car. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, for driving, anyone enough. who drives a Suzuki should be punished in my books. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> I am harsh. I'm harsh when it comes to cars. <laughs> um, so yeah. the Mongol um, rally, what, why? Why are people doing this? What is it for? So there's, there's an aspect of raising charity for it as well. Okay. And that, and it's just a bit of a madcap adventure. Like, mm. it's just brilliant. It's quite easy. There's no sort of ferry crossings, potentially, apart from even the UK. Uh, there's just no logistical nightmares. You can just drive to any border and be like, hey, I'm here. Or, you know, you've got to sort out visas in advance of some countries, but it's it's relatively easy to right. do. It's just like driving around Europe, and you just keep driving east. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it. I, I think it's it's drawn a lot of attention from that, and the kind of the, the company that run it have got quite a lot of ref behind it now, and it, it's getting bigger and bigger. I think it's getting too big, to be fair. Mm. And Mongolia is changing visa restrictions from the actual rally. It's making oh, wow. it very hard to get there. I think uh, currently at the time now it's ten thousand dollars deposit that's us dollars wow on the border to take a car in Mongolia. whereas when i did it i didn't even need a visa i just rocked up and they're like hey cool yeah you can come in right and, and now it's, it's it's getting more and more difficult whether there is a correlation or not i do know Mongolia is getting pretty annoyed with all these cars just being dumped there yeah um, so it's a one-way trip is that right <laughs> Uh, no, we still have the car that we did the Mongol Rally in. And in oh, fact, wow. we've done more trips in that car, and it's it's been upgraded a lot since then. But was, it's, was it's still kicking around. Was that the Nissan Micro? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we've got two of them. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, we've got that one, and it's it's owned by my mate that did the the Mongol Rally with me. And uh, yeah, then I got my one that I did in a, another trip, which was even more stupid. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're good fun. They're great little cars. Hmm. So, how much did you pay for that one that you did the rally with? Uh, I think we paid in total between three of us two hundred and twenty-five pounds, so seventy-five quid each. Wow, that's mm. a bargain. But you obviously didn't pay enough to get a set of keys. No, no, that was a bit <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Tell us how that panned out. Did you know about that before you handed over the cash? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, good. All right, stupid question. And how did you get around not having a set of keys for, I don't know, how many days or weeks? Uh, it was only about a week. And what it was is because we were doing it with a charity aspect and we were raising money for Teenage Cancer Trust, we were hoping that, ah, yeah, you know, it would be charity. We were a bit naive about things like, someone would just give us some keys. It'd be fine. Nissan would get behind us. It'll be all right. They'll, they'll sort us out. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> we, 
we ended up forking out, I think it was 280 quid for the keys in the end, which was ridiculous. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've had to get a set of keys cut once, and that is a painful experience. Uh, <laughs> good story, though. <laughs> <laughs> so um, did that uh, – what sort of um, breakdowns did you encounter with that first car? Uh, let's see. So ooh, do, 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 do. we broke a lot of shocks. Oh, really? Uh, shock Rough roads. roads and yeah. Stuff, yeah. No roads at all. Oh, driving wow. through sand, uh, driving oh, right. through rock falls, uh, rivers, all sorts. Let's see what else did we break. Uh, the gearbox had an oil leak that we had to get fixed up, and we snapped the exhaust. Oh, and we lost third gear, which was really annoying because yeah, we may I have overloaded the car quite significantly. And when you're trying to go from second to fourth and doing 50 mile an hour in a second in a car that weighs one and a half tons, it's mm, quite that's stupid. a big yeah, it's a big jump to fourth for a little car like that too. Mm. So yeah, it is. Is there an actual winner of these events, or is it just about everybody getting to the end? So for this company, no. no, about a third of the cars make it. Oh wow! Quite a lot of them break down, oh, blow up. Right? One corn fire just completely blew up. That man was done that when I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. Um, so hence yeah, the reason that no you didn't mind helping other teams and traveling together in groups and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic! And from what I read, that led to your next big adventure, the um, Global yes. Convoy Expedition. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. So that one was, <laughs> this one was actually made whilst me and a guy that I met on the Mongol Rally were drinking vodka in Moscow because that's the best place to start any adventure, right? Yeah, and it's the best and... <laughs> place to make really important <laughs> decisions whilst under the influence. <laughs> Yeah, it, basically, you were saying that the cars have done this well. They're still in good shape. Why can't they go further? Right. And that that was it, really. We were, we were like, right, okay, we'll we'll buy some equally crappy cars a year later and just see how far we can get them around the world. And we bought, I bought another Micra for £150 this time. And it caused me all sorts of problems. And then we bought a Skoda for 75 quid that was kind of a barn find. And it was fine, really. There's nothing wrong with it. But instead of the company sorting out this sort of stuff and, and kind of giving us a route, we kind of do it on our own. So we had to sort out all the logistics, yeah. all the shipping this time, which is just a kind of a, a whole other world. It's absolutely ridiculous, to be fair. Huh. And yeah, that, that, that is something that I really wanted to talk to you about because I cannot imagine, I can't even fathom the logistics of moving yourselves around to all those countries, let alone uh, a vehicle and all of your gear. Mm. Yeah, it's it's something I would never recommend to anyone, really. <laughs> Craig, cross that off the list, mate. I'm yep. happy you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we the can... The problem was is... Oh, go on. I was gonna say we can drive we can drive for hours and hours in any direction and in Australia and not have to you know have a passport or anything and yeah well that's true you yeah. know it, it must be difficult to <laughs> to organise that 
Yeah, I mean, you drive for hours and don't see anything, do you? It's pretty much. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends where you are, mate. I think there's a. Um, have you ever been over here yet? I haven't. No, it's on the list. Oh, put it. Yeah, move it up near the top. Um, it's <laughs> it's vast, but it's. I would think that. We'll put it this way: when when we first started our Instagram account, um, people were commenting on how they couldn't believe that these photos we were putting up were of Australia. Um, so many people yeah. commented when we were putting up rainforest and waterfall pictures and mountains and all this sort of stuff. They were just blown away that that um, we weren't just posting pictures of um, deserts with. Um, kangaroos going past so <laughs> it's probably a bit of a misconception <laughs> having said yeah, that um nah. whenever i drive down my street kangaroos do jump across the road yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah actually, that's true that's actually true <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah no, it's uh, um yeah you need to find a way of um getting a um in australia we don't call what did you say that crappy cars in australia we call them ship boxes yeah so, yeah, know, yeah, I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you need to get a, a some kind of a rally over here with a shipbox car and drive it across you, you the, the Nullarbor or something. Yeah, we got something like you, that, you man. Do. I was just well, like, yeah, about yeah. to Google. Yeah, what, no, what, what is that? Craig's got a really shit car. It's called yeah. the uh, shipbox rally. <laughs> shipbox rally, is that what it's called? Yeah, right. yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, that, I have heard that. Craig, your car would get in there. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to Google and say <laughs> in Australia, yeah, we must have the shitbox rally. Yeah, because they need to be under a certain horsepower too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Richard, it's a bit of an it's inside not, joke. not having a horse, just pulling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah. drives a Jeep, mate, no, so I don't. I'm a little bit harsh on him. He is very harsh. <clears throat> Yeah. Anyway, look, I did have a bit of a, I did have a very big look at your website, and it looks like you guys were making shit up as you went along with with a lot of your, um, the the convoy rally and stuff like that. So I'm very, yeah. You must be proud that you made it to the end, and you know everyone. I, I assume everyone survived, and um, I, I think I think we we look to you as someone who's able to you know go to the next level with your adventures and get some. Crazy kind of level of involvement with other people, and and um, yeah, we're you know we're impressed. I think it's it, it looks really cool. So yeah, good on you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. I mean, the, the convoy was just absolute carnage. Uh, like we planned our shipping across from Russia to to Canada, and then had no idea we're making it up as we went, wow. and that caused problem after problem in many aspects. Not alone with people, because we had over 100 people from 33 different countries come along. We had uh, an Australian actually do most of the trip with us. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's obviously, it, why it was successful, no doubt. <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. Yeah. Hang on. Uh, it brings me to another question. So, you're talking about a, um, a vehicle from, so this again was one of your vehicles from the UK. Mm -hmm. And then that, that vehicle's arrived in Canada, uh, I'm assuming yep. off, off a ship or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah, in Vancouver. Um, so at that point, how do you go about getting that vehicle legal to drive in Canada or any other place for that matter? Lots of paperwork is, yeah. is the answer, really. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a combination of insurance, temporary importation there's just so many different 
things. And in Canada and America, actually, America is one of the hardest places to do it. Mm. Like it, it took 17 of us working more or less round the clock, phoning people up to find insurance. And it took us three weeks. Wow. And the, the only loophole we could find was that one of the guys in the trip was American and he got insured to drive any vehicle and then insured someone else to drive any vehicle. So the vehicles technically weren't even insured. They were just in this kind of interesting, weird sort of yep. insurance thing. Right. It, it was it was ridiculous. And I mean, some countries don't even require insurance. Like when I went to Kyrgyzstan the first time, didn't need it. It just wasn't required by law. You just wow. did whatever you want, basically. Wow. In, in terms of that. So you got to. But then some countries. Uh, you yeah, would be. Um, your cars are the same as Australian, aren't they? We have the steering wheel on the right-hand side of the vehicle. Mm. Yep. Yep. So when yeah. you made it to the states, you were driving a right-hand steering vehicle on the right-hand side of the road. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we we had been the entire time. Like <laughs> since we left the UK, we hadn't. That's how we'd been going. Yeah. All oh, right. Wow. How's that go? That's all right. Overtaking all right. becomes interesting. Oh, I bet it does because you, you can't see anything. <laughs> yeah, gee, that's a really good point. You're so used to kind of, you know, putting your head right over to the side to, before you overtake someone. Yeah. Um, oh, that's really interesting. Do you have any other, uh, any other kind of standout uh, traffic sort of um, situations that, that you weren't anticipating? Um, Costa Rica. Yep. So Costa Rica had been experiencing a huge import of right-hand drive vehicles on left-hand drive roads from Japan. So they banned all of them. <laughs> As we were going there, and then Nicaragua was kind of uh, following suit. So we got to Honduras and like, ah, crap. How the hell are we going to get to South America? All the shipping goes from Panama because it's the shortest route. Wow. Now stuck in the ex-murder capital of the world. How on earth do we get out of this situation? (laughs) What what happened? We ended up up finding a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who worked in the port. And he kind of sorted us out with this shipping and it was meant to take sort of seven days, something like that. Oh, no, the crossing was three days. And we literally dropped the cars off at the port, done all the paperwork. I have a handwritten stamp because the passport office had closed and this guy just written it out for us. He very kind of him. <laughs> and then we jumped on a plane to go to Columbia. Like, we packed up, you know, chucked all our gear in the car. It was all, it was all good and all sorted. We had about a week's worth of things with us, clothes, cameras, things like that. All the more expensive stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we just went in Colombia. We'd arranged with a hostel to go and do some work for them and, and things. So we were sorted for a week. So that's all good. Get an email from the shippers in Honduras. Sorry, the ship hasn't left yet. You've got to pay an extra $2,000. Whoa. And then it goes on. And then the cars finally turned up 21 days later. What? Like, what? It was just it was just madness. Wow. Absolute madness. 
Do you think that was a, potentially a deliberate play on their part to milk a bit more cash? Uh, potentially, but also Colombia has some of the strictest import laws in the world. Oh, uh, I see. So I wonder why that is. It, it could, I don't know. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it took us three days just to get the cars out of the port. And that was with me, with all the paperwork, with uh, one of the, the gents who had been on the, the trip, a, a good friend of mine. And uh, he's Portuguese, so his Spanish was you know, really good. Yep. At this point, my Spanish is all right. And then there's uh, the other gentleman who's organizing the whole thing with me. And we're just, we're just running around the ports trying to get all this paperwork done. And that's how it was with all the shippings. I, they just got steadily worse. And the, the worst thing about this entire situation is, is I was at a point where I had actually run out of money and yeah. I basically couldn't eat. I just wasn't eating for three days, for oh, three wow. weeks nearly. I was having rice and sort of a couple eggs here and there. So I wasn't in particularly good shape to do anything. Yeah. And then it was 46 and 100% humidity, so it was just horrendous in every way. So, yeah, it was... a. Uh, a really tough time that was. It yeah. really was. And um, in hindsight, do you uh, can you pinpoint those kind of errors? Would you say that they're planning and logistics, or were they just you just being naive, or was it just complete stupidity? Can you frame that up for us? All of the above. All of the above. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Did you no, think, think it was going to be easier? Yes. You did. A lot easier. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, the Russian shipping was so easy. Like, we rocked up, we gave the guy the money, He we drove the cars into the containers that evening after they got washed and we took our things out, and that was it. Right. Job done. Yeah, right. And then it was only in Canada we had all sorts of issues. And it was the same in Uruguay. So after the Columbia experience, we were like, right, that's it. Let's plan this. Let's get this sorted. Let's yep. have it all set in motion, ready for when we get there, and it'd be good. And it was. We got to Uruguay. The cars went onto the ship, onto the container. We drove them in again. No worries. And then we had problems in Hamburg, getting them back into the UK. Right. Which was, it was, that one was kind of our fault, kind of not. Because the they're UK registered cars. They're part of the European Union. And because of the permit we put them on to get through customs was basically a transfer back to the UK. Right. So we couldn't clear them through customs in the UK because we didn't have this document. But then we also couldn't drive them on the road in Europe anyway because we didn't have an MOT or like a, a yearly check and insurance on them. Right, right. So then we were kind of scuppered because then they were going to charge us a thousand euros a day for storage. Oh, wow. While all this is happening, the, I don't know if you guys came across the, the Hamburg riots for the G20 summit. Yeah, I vaguely remember those, yeah. That was happening at the exact same time. Mm. Oh, great. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So the port was then blockaded. Mm. Uh, it was just, it was just nuts. So we ended up 
Well, I was actually in Hamburg. Everyone else is in the UK trying to sort it out from that end. Yeah. I flew back to the UK. We hired transporters and then drove from the UK to Hamburg, picked them up, cleared them through UK customs at like four in the morning, and then got them back to the UK. And we did all that in like 56 hours because it was just, it was just mad, everything that was going on. <laughs> and I think it, it, it's just it's just nuts. The shipping is just so so painful. <laughs> there's a there's a common thread that comes through a lot of your stories, mate, and and it's that I don't know how to um articulate it to be honest. There's not not so much that you never give up, more about your creative in your uh solutions. That seems to have done you pretty well in some of these trips. Yeah, I, I would say that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> some of the solutions we've got with for some things have been outright ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and how many countries did driving, that um, did that convoy take you across? Do you remember? Me or the car? Oh, different well, good question. The, let's say the car. Let's start with the car. Uh, the car did 42. What? what? That's insane. And was that roughly drawing? I mean, I, I watched the video and I think it must be, uh, I think it was another English guy. I think it must be a mate of yours that went on the trip with you. Um, mm. He made some comment about that, uh, that you kind of got a map and roughly drew a line around and said, well, yeah, that's yeah. kind of where we'll pass through. Was that fairly accurate on the limit of your planning there? Yeah, at the start, that was pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> yeah do you, are you still friends with this guy? Do you still talk? <laughs> uh, weirdly, I'm not actually involved with the Global Convoy in any way anymore. I left last March. Um, so is that, is there is that very... still, um, is it the same car is still moving around? Is that is that the story? Or? No, so what happened was is we came back and we'd organized to go to a load of shows. We did a load of talks about the trip. We took the cars there. We just generally showed, showed off what we'd done. Yep. Uh, then we went up and made a documentary. And it was a feature-length documentary. It got into a few festivals. Uh, I don't know. I still haven't seen the whole thing. And, yeah, it, it was then a case of, of creative differences and what they wanted to achieve and what I wanted to achieve was, was kind of different. And we were on the verge of getting a deal with like a, a big TV company to drive a, a double-decker bus around the world. Right. And that was when I decided to, to leave and kind of pursue, go back and pursue my own stuff. Right. And kind of get back on and doing my own thing. So, yeah, we, we still chat and we still, you know. Yeah. Here and there, and, and they crack on. Do you, do you think that was very, very much supportive of that? Yeah. Do you think that was, um, if you don't mind talking about that, do you think that was moving into too much of a commercial space for you, or did it encroach on your original reasoning behind doing these adventures? What What, what was your decision to uh, not continue? It was for me. It was wasn't moving into a commercial aspect in it itself. So I, I'd actually been working on my own stuff and doing guiding and outdoor stuff right. in, in the past for a few years. And I was saying, look, you know, we've got something here. We could go lead groups on all these trips and, and do things like this. And at the time, they weren't 
very interested in pushing it that hard, which is, you know, it's fair enough. We just come back, you know, and it was, it was more of a case of we wanted to, I wanted to go out and kind of make a difference and, and work in, in youth work and work in the mountains and the out the red. Yep. Whereas they wanted to keep going with the cars, keep driving and, and keep, keep partying and having, having a good time, which is fine. There's nothing yeah, wrong yeah. with no, that. Yeah, I get both sides of that, yeah. And uh, that's, that's just not me all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, di- I did see um, a lot of your, a lot of the stuff I read on your website. You most definitely um, put a lot of time into giving back, uh, which I think is admirable, but at the same time, it must be um, quite fulfilling for yourself. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's amazing to see people going on their own trips and kind of stepping out and kind of breaking past the fear because that's what a lot of people get held back by is is the fear of what will happen if it doesn't go right if it all goes wrong yeah. I, I know that's that's where i was i was terrified to go on the mongo rally and quit my job it, it was one of the hardest things i did up to that point yeah but it worked out and in fact i came back and got an even better job like, <laughs> it's, it's, well you're definitely a more worldly what, person <laughs> Yeah, and I think the world's something that needs to be seen. Uh, I'm, I'm very much a strong advocate as, of people are amazing. The amount of good people in the world is far, far outweighs the amount of bad people. Yeah. Uh, in, it seems like you the, really, sorry, it seems like you really love encouraging people to, yeah, get out of their comfort zone and kind of find find what it is that makes them makes them happy and, and lead their themselves to some sort of personal personal salvation or I don't know I, I'm, I'm trying to read between the lines of how you do love helping or encouraging people to, to come along and and you, you want it, you want them to to see what you see and and really kind of I don't know li- lift themselves up to a to a new level of adventure do you think that they get so much from that or is it something that you get a lot out of from helping other people I think it's a bit of both really I think people need to see the world yeah. i think it's it's very important to actually understand what's going on in countries like, like in iran the people of iran are amazing government uh, i don't know but the people the most friendly the friendliest people and the most hospitable people i've ever met right uh, it's one of the safe, safest countries i've ever been in it's, and yeah. the amount of bad press that the people have is just not right yeah my uh, and I, I think sorry mate i um, my experience right. with um, with uh, I, I lived in Japan for a year and a half, and there's a massive. Well, at the time, I don't know if it's still the case, but at the time, there was a massive influx of people from Iran. I I don't know why. I still don't know why to this day whether there was a a loophole that made it easy for them to get mm. in. But um, uh, long story short, th- they'd be there'd be particular places where they'd hang out and, um, you know, you'd go through and, and they'd all be so friendly and chatty. I had a couple of guys that I'd regularly run into on the train, on the same train when I was heading home after work. And what was hilarious about it was, um, the only language we could both speak was Japanese. (laughs) So (laughs) so to any Japanese people there, there was an Australian 
and an Iranian standing there or sitting there and speaking horrible Japanese <laughs> to each other. Just to, but um, oh no, they they were just ridiculously. Did you hear that sound? <laughs> Sorry. Craig tried to discreetly crack a beer. <laughs> In the middle of the podcast, Richard, I apologise. He's so rude, mate. He's got. I actually had. I actually had a. Um, I actually had somebody on Facebook say, "Try and keep Craig away from the whiskey." Oh, you did not. I did so, and I will talk to you about that later. Oh, as if I did. I had a guy that listens to the podcast say, "Try and keep Craig away from the whiskey." <sighs> <laughs> So just so you know what I'm dealing with here, Richard. Oh, God. Blue <laughs> heck. It's chaotic in there. It is. Yeah, oh, it's full on, mate. It's, yeah. tough, it's tough on both sides of the table it's, here, I tell it's, you. It's, it's, it's only midday and you're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly, not exactly. Uh, so, sorry about that interruption. I can't remember. Uh, we were talking about the lovely um, people from Iran. Yeah, well, it's not just Iran. It's just everywhere in general. Yep. Like, people everywhere are pretty amazing. I mean, when I was in Japan, we would split up and we were hitchhiking through Japan. And heck, the amount of incredible people that we met there was just out of this world. Yes, um, I think for the average person, and I'm, and I'm going to um, um, you know, make a stereo, stereotypical comment here. I think for the average person, the, yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. I do. I say stupid things all the time on this podcast. Never. Um, which is why nobody lets me be a guest on theirs. <laughs> I have to have my own. Um, and I'd say that the majority of people would say, well, that kind of makes sense to me, right? I understand that you go to Japan and people are friendly, but it's, it's the um, countries that they don't have that exposure to and the countries that they're constantly getting bombarded in the media and it's negativity, it's danger, it's war, it's negativity, it's danger. Um, and, and for you to say a comment that you just made a minute ago about how many good people there are is I think that little soundbite itself speaks absolute volumes. Like that to me is what people need to get out of this entire podcast right now we just need to play him that one line and say, Richard's been everywhere. There's a lot of good people. Get mm. it through your heads. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I haven't been everywhere, but there are so many good people everywhere. Like, mm. if you're in any situation, there will be someone who will help you out, no yep. matter what the case is, which is why we should all help each other out, no matter what, what is going on, because eventually it will come back to help us. Yeah, and, and that's that's how it should work. Like, I here in the UK, every time I see someone who's hitchhiking, I always try and pick them up because yeah. so many people have helped me out in the past. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing. We need to stop seeing places in the world as as this and that, and and kind of buying into what the media is is telling us, and actually look at it a bit closer. Yeah, take what the media is saying definitely, but that's not everyone. No. It's the case of everything, every group, isn't it? There's always the, the certain individuals in whatever group it may be that are getting and showcasing that group as this when it's exactly. not the case. Well, I don't think it's a good news headline to say that British adventurer, you know, travels through Mongolia and has fantastic time and uh, eats, gets free dinner from um, people in a yurt or something. You know what I mean? That's, that's yeah, not, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not, um, it's not about... 
um, bad stuff and, and it doesn't sell that well, I'm, I'm assuming. Absolutely, and, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't sell. Mm. And that, that's, that's the thing there, isn't it? Mm. I wonder if they'd like the title, though, British Adventurer Nearly Dies Falling Off Roof Rack um, off in Canyon, Much Afghanistan. I wonder if that would sell. Yeah, that would probably sell. I think it would be better placed if it was Fellow of the Royal Geographical Society Falls Off Roof Racks. <laughs> Just mm, maybe, maybe not. They'll be uh, questioning why they're on a roof rack to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff. Hey, uh, the uh, just speaking about that <clears throat> safety aspect, and um, I don't want to go straight from saying, wow, it's so nice that uh, everyone was great, to, but I will jump to, were there any, um, are there any kind of hairy moments where you you were concerned about um about your safety you know and it doesn't have to be um with other people it could be you know uh just for weather and and all sorts of things like that oh oh yeah definitely there's been countless times where well i got swept in the pacific ocean nearly fell off a roof rag i genuinely nearly died quite a few times and it isn't just like me saying it and ex exaggerating the situations some of them were pretty like oh my god that could have ended very very badly yeah and in terms of safety from other people not not much there was a few times there's a few sort of shootings we heard in, in guatemala wasn't aimed at us in particular it's it's fine there and slovenia i think slovenia was kind of one of the biggest ones but that's because i was on my own and i think being on your own when you're on your own for quite a few days out in the mountains you kind of start going into your head and you kind of look at things in a much different way and yeah yeah well, it's i'm glad you it, touched it, on that because that's one of my something on my list was to was to discuss the solo hiking um aspect of your adventures with you yeah and it's it's a different aspect i mean the whole reason it was meant to be a shared one, actually, until the about two days before the person that I was going to go with, they backed out on me. So I was like, you know what, stuff it, I'll just go anyway, see what happens. Yep. And uh, it, it was it was great the first week. The next two weeks were actually horrendous. And there was a point where I just I just broke down, really. And it's, it's, it is a video clip. I filmed it, and it's, it's kicking around. Yeah. And basically describing how I wanted to quit, wanted to leave the mountains, wanted to just get out of there, we just wanted to get home. Yes. It was turning from solitude to loneliness, and it was just horrendous. It was the worst thing ever at the point. It was just yeah. so bad. And, and, and was that, yeah, did that end up being the end of the trip, or did you continue beyond that? Well, I did. I I went on a little bit more. Now, I, I'm very much someone who doesn't believe in coincidences or didn't believe in coincidences that, until that point, really. Around six hours later of walking, I actually ran into two Canadians, an Australian, a German, a Moroccan, um, and a Slovenian who had come up from Bled to just climb a mountain. And these are the first native English speakers that I'd seen in around two and a half weeks yep. and three weeks time. 
I don't want to say that it was a coincidence that I'm having this mental breakdown in the morning then met these people in the afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if I hadn't met them, it probably might have been the end of the trip. Yeah. Did that, really uh, did that just kind of renew your fill up the tank for, I guess, uh, human contact? Did you continue on your own after that or with them? I did, actually. So they they kind of learned about what I was doing and, and basically, in a way, kidnapped me and said that I was staying at the hostel with them. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, yeah, look, you're coming with us, you're going to stay in a bed tonight and we're going to cook you food. I'm like, all right, yeah, you know what, stuff it, I'll do that. That's, I need that right now. Uh, I stayed good. there for a day and we went out and did another little walk and was just chatting and kind of, as you do, you're just messing around, having a bit of banter. And then they actually dropped me off. They drove me further up the route, and then I carried on for another two two days, and then had to leave the mountains because the the weather just got so bad, um, to the point where the Slovenian government was saying that do not go outside unless you have room right. to. So I went outside and carried on walking down out of the mountains and was dodging bits of roof and bits of building <laughs> in, in the rain. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was solo the last couple of days? Yeah, well, from there, then I went back to the hostel back with the guys again because I kind of done a big loop around them. Right. And then when the storm passed two days later, I carried on. I, I caught another bus back to where I'd roughly finished off and went back and then did another, what, week? week alone but at this point it was now with a a new challenge the the challenge had been to complete the trail now it was a case of complete as much as possible and get home to work on the next thing yeah right and because you start thinking about all things all manner of things when you're in and i didn't have music with me purposely to, to think about these things yeah that, and that's it was the way to do it was it. just yeah definitely and it was it was just mad, really. And I, I came to a lot of realizations, a lot of thoughts, and kind of actually realized where I wanted to go with life, what I wanted to do, and, and kind of what I wanted to achieve, really. Yeah, that's and, fantastic. I'm so glad you stuck it out. I was hoping you were going to say that you did. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was pretty mad that towards the end. I was pushing very hard. I think the last day I did... 42 kilometers Whoa. That. That's, hmm. that's no was it that's a big no it's 56 oh, what? 56 kilometers Whoa. the last the second to last day is 42 kilometers wow so, yeah you did push hard that sounds like a 15 hour day <laughs> yeah yeah start at six finished around eight wow i was pushing sort of six kilometers an hour <coughs> at some points you're um caloric intake must have been off the scales yeah well the, the train had changed it wasn't so much mountainous anymore okay. and i'd also lost a little bit of weight i'd lost all my, my crampons and ice axe and stuff so i was carrying less right and i'd been walking for nearly three weeks at this point so when you say lost you, was, you you left them or you actually fell off a cliff and dropped them <laughs> off no no i I had the good fortune of running into an Italian in a small town called Idria, and he offered to host me when I got to his city, which was more or less at the finish point. So he took a load of 
my gear and went back to his with it and then I met him about a week and a half later and then stayed with him for a week and we kind of he took me around the city and we explored oh, uh, I think it's Tereste yeah re- really cool guy really cool guy oh that's awesome that's a good end to the trip as well yeah yeah it's just a shame I didn't do all of it yeah that, that annoyed me yeah mm. <laughs> um, I don't think you should be too hard on yourself it sounds to me like you could have pulled out a couple of weeks earlier and that would have uh, I think that would have eaten you up too in hindsight oh God, yeah. yeah there's uh, a lot of people um, Craig and I had done a fair bit of solo stuff Not, nothing in the in the duration of, of your trips I think the longest I've done solo is three days um, but oh, I did it I did an eight day trip but I bumped into other people on the trail so I don't really consider it 100% solo but then I've done a three-day canoe trip where I didn't see another human being and I didn't have um, cell phone coverage and um, I was 40 something kilometers from the nearest person so uh, I don't know it depends which way you want to say it but Mm. but either way my my point is um, uh, we talk a bit a little bit about those and so many of our listeners are hassling us to do a um, specific podcast just around solo hiking and, you know, just every aspect of it. But it's been really, really interesting to hear your take on it because I think what you went through there is what I know I've definitely been through on a smaller scale of that what the hell am I doing here? Why did I do this? And, yeah. and and that urge to want to go back to other people and have conversations and and not be alone and um, with your own thoughts, it, it feels so foreign. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I mean, at the end of the day, we are a, a species of community, aren't we? Our entire society is based on... Yeah being around other people yeah so when you take that out of the equation it, it becomes entirely foreign it's something different and, and like you just said I think, and, and you experience like it's it really makes you think doesn't it like you start thinking oh my oh, what on the, earth the like why am that, i doing this <laughs> the, the things that swirl around in your head uh are just beyond comprehension like something that you'd never have the time to to, to put thought into on a day-to-day basis. It's really strange. Mm. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I, I can see why so many, um, you know, societies around the world, um, especially primitive ones, um, will send people out for days or, or weeks on their own to kind of be with themselves and support themselves because I think the learning curve mm. um, is massive. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think solo solo travel is is kind of almost the, the pinnacle of of that in in more modern society, isn't it? Yeah. Of going out, experiencing new cultures, and being on your own, but not necessarily on your own, being around other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still um, a massive element of of uh, being out of your comfort zone, especially once you mm-hmm. start crossing um, language barriers. That's where it gets it gets real tricky. Yeah, it's it really fun as well. It does. Kind of Are you amazed at how much someone. you can convey with just 
smiling and laughing and making hand gestures and pointing. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. You can get away with so much, like <laughs> explaining there's a vehicle broken down five miles up the road. You just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, give us some, I'm just going to throw a few through a few questions at you. What was, say, the, what was the strangest place or the most memorable place where you ate dinner? Ate dinner? In any of your trips. It have to be. Like, oh, no, say a meal, a meal. What was the strangest meal you, you shared somewhere along your travels? Ooh, that's a difficult one. There's two that instantly popped in my head. Yeah, good. Let's have them. Uh, so one is in Kyrgyzstan. Okay. And we... Oh, no, sorry. It's Pakistan. It's, where was it? Uh, I can't remember the name of the city now. Oh, that's going to annoy me. Anyway, it's, it, we, we rocked up to this city at 4 a.m., having been driving all night to get there. And... We were told that breakfast was at eight, and we all basically got in and, and just passed out. We were exhausted. We had a knock at the door around eleven o'clock to say that our breakfast was ready, and it was down in the main room. Right, okay, we go down, and we have this sort of, you know, a continental sort of some, some meats and cheeses and fruits. And uh, then that was the first course. Then the, it, something similar, only more of, came out for the second course. And then uh, some eggs and then more sort of uh, like a soup dish came out. And then it just kept coming. We ended up having a five-course breakfast. And it was absolutely surreal. Sounds good. <laughs> I totally need it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there was a communication was just... breakdown there where you were meant to tell them to stop at some point? <laughs> No, they they just they just kept bringing it. Like it was it was one of the most incredible breakfasts I think I've ever had. It was fantastic. And the other one, the other one was out in Slovenia, and I had run out of water and I was bombing it down a, a Viafrata, uh, getting to a. Can you just, sorry, mate? Can you that, just explain that um, terminology for our listeners, please? Yeah, sure. A Via Ferrata is, is Italian for Iron Road, and it's from the First World War, and it's what they, they used to transport troops around through the mountains. And you basically have a harness and two carabiners attached to you, and then in the wall, people have gone up and bolted in a steel cable, and you kind of attach yourself to it, and... You, you, it's there for protection, really. So yep. if you fall, you're not going to actually fall. You're just going to kind of come off the, the rail a bit. Yep. So I was kind of coming down one of those pretty fast. And they're, they're slow going because the, the, the bolts go in kind of every few meters or so. So I wasn't even clipping in coming down this thing. I was just walking down it and holding on. And it wasn't it wasn't that bad. The path was kind of carved out. It was step-like. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And I get to the hut. And I, I tell the guy what I'm doing, and, and he, the hut's open. I wasn't expecting it to be. And get chatting to him and tell him where I'm going to go. And he's like, nah, that hut's shut. You can't go anywhere. Look, I tell you what, unload my gondola full of beer, and you can stay here tonight for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, done. I'll take a bed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> and then 
the night progressed and he's like, here, have a beer. Have, have a couple of beers. And then he just asked me, do you like steak? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love steak. <laughs> so then I sit with this, host, the, this hut owner at about 8 o'clock at night and we just have steak and eggs. And then he proceeds to <laughs> just like get home. me behind the bar. Yeah, yeah, just behind the bar. He's like, yeah, do you mind doing the washing? I'm in the kitchen doing the washing. And then we have some wine. And then he pulls out the, this home-brewed creation beer that you open into a bowl and then ladle out into your glass. Like, oh. God, now I woke up with a hangover the next day. Like, blame an egg, man. Like, what, what was going on? <laughs> oh, but I bet that tasted so good, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, it did. Beat my pastor any day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, they, these are the things that people don't experience sitting on their couch. No, no, they really don't. <laughs> and I mean, if you want to take that further, you can't even, you couldn't even plan that. No, no, absolutely not. It was just completely spontaneous, completely just happened to be in the right place at the right time and seem okay to the, the right person. Wow. And again, that ties back into your point earlier where there's so many good people out there that, that just want to help you along. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. But... crazy stuff, yeah. mate. You sound like it's like talking to a sixty-year-old uh, man about all of his uh, adventures, his lifelong adventures, mate. And <laughs> um, you're just just at the tip of the iceberg by the sounds of it. Just getting started. Yeah, I mean, I, I've only been traveling internationally for five years. I left yeah. the country for the first time probably when I was twenty-one. Incredible. No. Uh, before you can, I, you can do a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I ask you what's next, I think we need to backtrack a bit, and you need <coughs> to um, you need to unpack this uh, falling off the roof racks or almost falling off the roof racks story. <laughs> <laughs> Which time? Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. One and or two of the most memorable ones. <laughs> I guess the one you were referring to earlier in the podcast. Yes. So the one I was referring to earlier was in Tajikistan. And the roads were so horrendously bad that we just couldn't see anything. So I opted to sit on the roof with a radio and was basically telling the driver of the cars which way to go to avoid rocks and things through the sand and yeah so i spent around five days stuck on the roof rack of this car of the mm. micra just directing people getting covered in sand but wow. being up there was absolutely amazing it, it's it's like nothing else because you're you're much higher up your, yeah. your vantage point is incredible you have no car around you you're feeling all the sand the heat yeah. the wind as it you know, comes by and then you get to see things like wolves and that but you, the others can't and it was just mad until we kind of got back onto the main road and i thought it would be a brilliant idea to stand on top of the roof rack yeah. whilst was doing Sounds 50 mile good. an hour yep. mm -hmm. holding on to two bits of rope onto the roof rack <laughs> that was a really <laughs> dumb idea <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that, that um, I don't know how that could have gone wrong. Hmm. No, no, it's not like there were any cliffs around or anything. Like it was fine, really, and it's not like we were in the middle of more or less nowhere and it's kind of very far out, very remote. 
it, it could have gone very badly wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then that became a, a kind of a bit of a, a thing, really. I just loved being up on the roof. Yeah. And we, we kind of took took it a step further in Mongolia. A step further. We were all than very. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Way further. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Do tell. So me and my mate were in the car, and uh, and everyone else was kind of car sharing and stuff. And he he had just jumped from one roof rack to the other roof rack of all the vehicles, scaring the bejesus out of everyone, which was hilarious for myself. Yeah. And then we kind of got back in the micro, and we thought, you know what? How fun would it be to to see how fast we could get around the car? So the passenger gets out of the passenger seats, climbs out the window, goes across the bonnet, climbs in the driver's window, and then takes over driving the car. While that's happening, the driver gets out and jumps over into the passenger seat. Right. Now, we did this a few times. It's all right. We did it at 30 miles an hour and, and things. And then it got to a point where I was on the driver's window. My mate was still in the passenger's window. So nobody was driving the car. And somebody did a handbrake turn right in front of us. Ooh. So I started steering the car with my foot as we were trying to avoid them whilst not going down. It was about oh. eight foot, um, sort of dipped to the left. So we decided to stop doing that because that was a, it was a bit silly. And I don't recommend anybody does it, really. It's, it's absolutely madness and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were saying earlier that uh, you didn't really believe in coincidences, but do you believe in luck? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. You think that um, yeah. you being able to talk to us today has probably got a bit of luck involved in it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you nearly missed me i'm I'm going to be packing for another trip which i'm leaving for in about two hours so <laughs> oh wow gee we're, i'm very grateful for you giving us so much time considering you need to be getting out of there jeez and... <laughs> that's all good fun <laughs> <laughs> uh i did have another where was my other question oh yeah uh well i do want to oh i do want to know what's next uh, apart from, I mean, what's this? Is this a smaller trip that you're about to leave on now? Yeah, so this 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 one is actually UK based, and I'm taking I don't actually know how many I need to find out up to a hundred young people wow. on a, a four week sort of training, and um, we've got uh, outdoor education sort of week, and then we're in the university for a week, and we're sort of learning new skills of the young people. And then they kind of build their own social action project and then then actually lead that and run it and run it themselves. It's not any input from us. So that's kind of the next two weeks. And I'm doing it again later in August. Oh, wow. That's currently what's happening. And then the the next sort of big trip, I don't don't have anything planned yet. There's lots of ideas. Yeah. Uh, And... Is that a trip that you alluded to earlier? Is that potentially something you might put a bit that, more time into thinking about? Well, I've thought about it and I've kind of sorted out most of the route and it, the feasibility of it is I don't know if it's possible. I need to work out the timings a year. Yep. But that one could be next year, but I'm also planning on a, a few other things next year. There's also talk of a, a six-month road trip around the states and canada with the micros 
Cause, oh, yeah. Well, in America, a micro just doesn't exist. So any, anything below like a, a one liter engine, they didn't have a clue what to do. Like, I tried to get a par and they sent me down a, a lawnmower garage to get some parts. <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> yeah, but I, I can say a bit more on that trip, but it, it doesn't involve any driving. It involves crossing seven islands and the seas between them using non-powered transport. Oh, mate, that sounds fantastic. Mm. Sounds like my kind of trip. Yeah. Well, that sounds really good. Yeah. Hey, sorry, Richard, if I cut you off. I've got one um, outstanding question, mate, that I'm thinking of, and I think it goes back to the beginning when you're talking about one of your friends, uh, two incidents recently where someone could have ended really badly, and mm. I, 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 I see you sort of really encouraging people to come out with you and to get involved in the outdoors, which is great. I'm all for that, but I might be sounding a bit old here where I start to worry. I start to worry if I start to invite people along, especially if Tom's leading over here. That yeah, we don't we, want me organising. We might we might end up in a bit of trouble. Do you do you worry that someone's going to get hurt if you've sort of led this, this challenge or um, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. It really is. So... I do a lot of stuff where I'm taking people out, mainly in the UK. Um, yeah. Like I said, obviously, Slovenia, was, that was a bit different. And obviously, yeah. that wasn't a ledge trip. That was a trip I was doing, and people were welcome to join me on that. Yep. Whereas the ones in the UK are led, but then that's because I've spent so many years up in the mountains. I'm, I'm actually a qualified guide right. in, in some areas of the UK. So it's, it's a bit different in that sense. So I, I can lead trips I can I don't worry about it per mm. se because usually the routes we're going on I know usually the train we're going around is, is easy enough to handle so it's mm. it's not so much of a worry of mine to be honest good no, I don't want you to worry about it, mate. I think it's... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, granddad over here is granddad. worrying about you, mate. No, it, sound, it sounds like... <laughs> it, I, I, I note a sense of fearlessness in some of your adventures and a bit of make it up as you go, which is great. I think that that's where these stories come from and that's where the fun is and um, and all that. But just, yeah, old granddad over here just sort of thinking, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you're often, I imagine, with people you don't know and... Yeah, just... he, he probably stays up late too, Craig. He probably <laughs> stays up way beyond his bedtime. He probably drinks too much alcohol. But... Does your mother know what you do, Richard? <laughs> uh, no, most of the time. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, very good. I try and plan trips for Craig <laughs> by not planning them to put a sense of adventure, and then he doesn't like it. <laughs> it, is, it is a fair point, to be honest. Like, quite a lot of people wouldn't want to do the trips that I do because they are so unplanned and and that's totally fair like some trips do need planning like the Slovenia trip was fairly reckless but it was also pretty well planned like I had a guidebook I knew where I was going to get stopped I knew where I was going to get food from I knew how long how many days I was going to go out but it's I think it's it's kind of not over planning it if you over plan it to the day then you've got no room for spontaneity and, and kind of going from there but absolutely 100% if you don't plan it at all you end up in the situation that we had in the convoy in absolute chaos well, which is yeah. also not ideal <laughs> well I'll just follow that up Richard saying that if something did go wrong mate it sounds like you would be the sort of bloke you'd want next to you anyway so that's cool no I, I 
yeah, I accept that. That's cool. I spent a month in Fiji, Richard, and oh yeah, I, I was um, well around about your age at the time, and I remember kind of well planning to get there, planning to meet up with my mate who was already over there, and I, for me, that was about all the planning I did, and when I got there. I remember, I wouldn't use the word panicking, but I did kind of stress that, well, hey, shouldn't I have planned a bit more? But once I once I got used to that feeling of, well, what are we going to do today, you know, whatever the hell we want to do today, and let's go down here next week and let's surf this beach and let's surf that beach and let's stay in this town for a few more days because it's so much fun, that, that actually became... Um, quite a comfortable medium to exist in, and and I still think pretty fondly of that trip for the uh, lack of planning and and that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, they, they are they are good trips. They're some of the most memorable ones, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and dealing with situations when you're wrong as well, I think, is also something else. That leads to some interesting memories. Yeah. Do you find? Because uh, I mean. You touched on it right at the start of this podcast where you said that on the Slovenia trip you would only take people that you knew you could uh, you could count on, you could trust, and that could physically do it. Um, for me, uh, you know, Craig and I have, have uh, you know, I've got Craig into a lot of trouble before and we've always, for the most part, been able to, um, you know, argue our way out of it or work out a logical solution and... Uh, for me, that's probably my most important, uh, how would you say it, uh, character trait in anybody I take with me is is to know that we can both sit there and have a logical conversation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually admit when the crap is hit the fan, like, yeah. what we're going to do now and, yeah. and kind of deal with that accordingly. And, yeah. and I think it is very important. It really is. And if you haven't got people in a situation where you can rely on them to do that and have that logical conversation like you don't know where you're going to end up you don't know what's going to go on mm. and then that's one of the risks of going with strangers mm. absolutely so you don't know what they could have to offer like you could end up with a world-class climber out yep. in the mountain and like oh okay yeah it's fun we'll just do this yeah all right cool like let's do that <laughs> No, you're right. It's a real, a real mixed, real mixed bag in your case. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Awesome. Well, it makes it more fun, doesn't it? You don't know what's going to expect. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I'd probably agree with that. We uh, last week uh, or two weekends. That was about two weekends ago, Richard. We ended up um, uh, recording a podcast from inside a cave, and. We, st I still stand by that being one of my best mistakes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's not where we were meant to spend the night. <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, listen, listen. Don't, don't overplan your trips. That's not what I'm here to say. We, um, it's all character building. I get yeah, that. It's don't it's, plan anything. No, don't plan anything. Don't plan anything. I'm, I'm, I'm changed. I'm a new man. No, that's awesome, Richard. I think you've got the perfect balance of planning and uh, and just letting it. Um, swing in the wind, Absolutely. so to speak. Absolutely. And I think that's a pretty cool um, character trait. No, it's impressive. I think yeah. that uh, if more people 
would put themselves out of their comfort zone like you, especially at that kind of, you know, at that, that age that you're at where everything's, you know, your whole personality and everything's still forming in a, in a sense of, of who you're going to be. Uh, it's just, I just find it um, really refreshing to see you just out there just killing it, mate. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you very much, guys. I, it really, it really is good fun, and there's quite a few people who are doing it. There really is, and they're all doing it in their own different way. And I, I encourage everyone to to have a go at it. I, it, it, it comes with time, isn't it? It's the same with anything. It comes with time. Yeah, and a lot of commitment. The first, the first one will be, yeah, yeah, definitely. The first one will be terrifying, and then it will just get easier. Yeah. To the point where you're on a podcast, and you've got less than an hour and a half, two hours to pack for the next trip. <laughs> you keep going back to that. I'm feeling really guilty now. I'm totally cool with wrapping it up though because we've, we've gotten so much out of you. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think that uh, um, signing off now also leaves us so much more to talk about in the future, mate. And uh, I would honestly say that, uh, and I know Craig would agree that we, I think this should be a, you know, a, a semi-regular thing, maybe catch up with you every year and see what crazy stuff you've added to the list, mate, if mm. you're keen. Oh, every year, boom and neck. You need more than an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're cool. Yeah, we yeah. don't have a time limit. <laughs> you're the only one with a time limit because you got to pack. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, buddy. Hey, um, what, do you, what would you say the best way for people to kind of keep an eye on on what what crazy stuff you're up to what's the best way for people to do that uh i would say social media although at the minute i'm having a, a bit of a social media break and kind of not doing anything with it over the summer okay but that is the best place to, to kind of catch up with what, what i'm up to and and kind of yeah yeah social media <laughs> yeah i i think um personally as well i'd recommend your web your website as well uh because mm, yeah that gave me a lot of background on everything and I'll certainly be including uh, all those links and videos in the show notes when I put that together for the listeners so um, it's easy for them they can just go to the show notes and get everything but your yeah uh, and um, yep and on a more exclusive note uh, come September time so this I've got to do it now I will be uploading videos once a week on a YouTube channel oh wow you've mm. committed mate of I've committed, yeah. <laughs> the last week and a half editing videos like a maniac, but it's doing it. I'm committing. Oh, good there on you me, go. Mate. That's a big step. That's great. Um, that's a hell of a way to build an audience. I look forward to checking it out myself. Yeah, because Well, all I can say is thank you for having me, guys, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you next year. Yeah, no, it, like you say, it might have to be sooner, but uh really appreciate your time. Thanks for reaching out to us. It's been a, a hoot listening to what you, you get up to. Um, I wish you very, very safe travels um, on your next adventures, mate. Yeah, and yourself, guys, and, and to everyone else. Like, have, have fun on your travels and adventures. Yeah, thanks for, the, safe, thanks for the chat, Richard, and all the best on your trip, mate. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Take care of yourself, mate. Go go and get packing, will you? Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Of course. <laughs> All right. See ya. See you, fella. Bye. Bye.
you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.